Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Hey, it's Mark here, and I'm here with Derek Kamink, and it is week eight of Unlocking the Truth podcast in the book of James. Derek, how's it going? It's going great. We're getting to the end. We're working our way through this fantastic book. I hope that uh, everyone's still feeling encouraged and not feeling like uh, James has been beating them up too bad. Uh, but that conviction we received through this book is really good. So uh, hopefully we're, uh, we're doing our best to, to live the way God wants us to be living. It is going to be a great week in the Word of God. If you are driving in your car listening to this, maybe you're at work or you're sitting in your living room, Uh, If you're driving, don't pick up a pen and paper and try and write this down. Go back and listen later. But if you are at home or at work and listening, you are going to write, want to write down six words today. Six words are going to summarize our podcast and our time in the book of James chapter four. And we will come to those six words and let you know what they are as we go. But we should pray first. So Derek, why don't you pray for us? Gracious God, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to go to your word. Uh, We are truly grateful um, that you have gifted us uh, your full uh, revelation, and we don't have to to hope to hear from you, uh, but we can go directly to the source of your word. And as you speak to us, Heavenly Father, I pray that we are faithful in listening and that we are willing uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on us as we come to understand the truth, that we allow those truths to apply and to change our lives. Heavenly Father, we pray this all in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. So we left you after last week's lesson in James. We left you, uh, hopefully not you as individuals, fighting and quarreling, but we left fighting and quarreling, and we were looking at some of the difficulties that were being faced and uh, some of the struggles that were going on. And this week, we pick up at verse 6 of James chapter 4, and it starts with a contrast. And the contrast is so vital for us to understand because it contrasts what we were just talking about last week. Mm -hmm. And he says, but he, God, gives a greater grace Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those that are proud end up in fighting and quarreling because they are after their own selfish ambitions, after Mm -hmm. their own desires, and not after the glorification and building up of God and his kingdom. And so uh, we've got this point that says that God is opposed to the proud. Mm. And then we have in verse 7, we've got two of the very first words that we want you to write down. And what are those two first words, Derek? The first is uh, submit, therefore, to God. And the second is resist. So submit and resist. All right. So we are going to uh, take a closer look at submission, submission to God, as well as resisting to God. And in 1 Peter uh, we're going to spend some time in First Peter chapter one, and uh, there is a or First Peter chapter five. Sorry, there is a great verse in there talking about submission, and he says in verse five five, uh, "You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves hu- with humility toward one another." 
For God, wait a second, is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the very same verse mm-hmm. we saw in the book of James. That's right. And then he says, a therefore. So unlike a contrast in James, there's a therefore in Peter. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And so first and foremost, submission is knowing your role. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what position you are in. It's knowing what role you play. And in this case, where does the individual who calls themselves a child of God stay, Derek? Under the mighty hand of God. So uh, God is first. Mm-hmm. You are second. Yeah. When you are proud, when you are arrogant, God is second and you are first. Mm-hmm. Well, God doesn't like that. That's, that's, not, that's not how it works. What I love about this verse is that he uses the word mighty hand, that it's not just, uh, it's a hand that you can trust in. It's a hand that you can put your faith in, that it's not uh, a wimp, a wimpy sort of hand. It is a strong and a mighty hand that when that hand is over you, when you're under it, it is actually protecting you. And, uh, and God has a plan, and that's why he says that he will exalt you at the proper time. We tend to be looking to be exalted all the time, but God says when you humble yourselves, uh, when it's time to be humble, that when it's time, we will be exalted. I mean, the whole idea here of what we've seen about God mm-hmm. in his character through the book of James so far, uh, we've seen every good and perfect gift comes from above. We've seen that God is ready and willing to give us his wisdom to be Mm -hmm. able to understand and and deal with trials. We've seen that God's wisdom is deeper than anything, you know, uh, with our cross-references that we've covered uh, in this podcast in Romans. Like, this is God. Mm -hmm. This is the creator of the universe that in six days spoke creation into existence. When he said, let there be light, there was light. Mm -hmm. How in the world could any one of us ever want to elevate ourselves above God? And yet in this church, in this group of people, this is the very reason that there was quarrels and fighting. There was an elevation of self uh, because of temptation. Remember we saw that in the first chapter. Yeah talking about temptation and how that can lead and be birthed into sin. Yeah. The second word, again, just as a reminder, is to resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Chapter uh, 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8, we continue on. It says, be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Mm. I mean, think about what was going on in this church. These these quarrels, this selfish ambition, all of these things that were going on. Yeah. This is the work of the devil mm-hmm. in an individual's life. Well, and his, his goal, especially in the early church, was to undermine the unity that they had because that's, the church was, was spreading like crazy. People were, uh, were turning to Christ. Uh, Acts says that they were baptizing people by the thousands. And so he wants so badly, or he wanted so badly to, um, to do whatever he could to undermine the unity that these people were finding in the gospel. And the best way to do that is to tell somebody 
that they're more important than they actually are or they're better than someone else because that's the easiest thing for us to believe is that we're better than uh, than someone else, especially if we know uh, a little bit about who they are. We know their story and we know their sin. It's easy to start putting ourselves ahead of them and elevating ourselves over them. And then that begins to tear apart the fabric of uh, of the church. And that's what the devil was trying to accomplish here. It is amazing that we... We sometimes we get so comfortable. And I think in our arrogance, in our moments of pride, mm-hmm. we forget that the enemy is at a hand. Right. And so when he says, uh, resist the devil in First Peter, or in uh, James, and then in First Peter uh, chapter 5, he talks and he, he gives us this example of our adversary, the devil who is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, I automatically am drawn to the book of Job mm-hmm. in chapter 1, uh, verse 6. Uh, this is happening, and, and we should be aware that uh, this conversation that's occurring is between God and Satan himself, and it is uh, in heaven. And in verse 6, he says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Now listen to this, Derek. This is going to, this might blow your mind. He says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Mm. Well, what was he doing? You know, we know what he was doing while he was roaming around on the earth. He was seeking to devour someone, to cause somebody to go into sin. And so this is why James He tells you, submit to God, Mm -hmm. get under the hand of the mighty God, and then resist the devil. And as you resist the devil, you will, uh, he will flee from you. Now, maybe drop this on you, but think of Jesus. And what did Jesus do when the devil came to him and was pointing to him uh, to elevate himself? Right. Well, he, he went to the word. Jesus knew his place, that he didn't come to rule, that he came to serve. And the devil kept tempting him and saying, listen, I, I, can, give, I can give you everything, you know, and, uh, and I can make it so that you don't have to die. I'll mm-hmm. give you everything you want. And, uh, and Jesus knew that that wasn't, that wasn't what he was there for. He wasn't there to be exalted. He was there to be humbled so that, like Peter says, that he would be exalted at the proper time. When I think about um, submission and how important it is, I always look to the, to the example of Jesus Christ um, in the garden, that he's sitting there praying to God, if there is some other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. That, mm-hmm. that Jesus submitted himself to the plan of the Father so, because he knew that God's plan was better. He knew that God's wisdom was wiser, and he knew that God was going to exalt him at the proper time. Absolutely. And this is the thing that we need to understand. And I'm so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast because when you submit to God and now you want to practically put in place ways to resist the devil, you need to understand first who your adversary is, Mm -hmm. how he works. The book of John calls him the father of lies. He's a murderer, you know, from the very beginning. And you need to know how the enemy works. And the other thing you need to know is, what are my weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Where, what are my areas 
where I'm really weak, where I'm going to be prone to attack. Yeah. And then the third thing is know the word of God. Absolutely. So that when you go and the devil starts to tempt you, mm -hmm. that you can rebuke him by the word of God, start pulling out all of your scriptures mm -hmm. and telling him to flee from you and that you're not going to fall to sin. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what James is saying here is that when you resist the devil, he actually flees from you, that he stops pursuing you because he knows it's not, it's not even worth it. Because mm -hmm. every time he tries that you come back with the word, that you come back and put him in his place. And he goes, well, they're a lost cause. They belong to God already. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother anymore. So it's important that we resist the devil to the point that he flees from us. Now, uh, he's a persistent spirit. And so it doesn't happen often that he flees. But the, the more we resist, the more uh, that he is going to flee from us. And because he's the father of lies, the only way to resist is with the truth that we find uh, in the scriptures. Right. So remember, uh, through all this, six words. We're working towards the end of this podcast with giving you six words. Uh, all six words are practical words for application to help you live your life according to God's word. Submit, resist, and then in chapter 8 of James chapter 4, he says, draw mm -hmm. near to God and he will draw near to you. And, you know, if we want to add a seventh word, we could. It'd be okay. Yeah. But we'll keep with six. Okay. Six words, but maybe the seventh might be cleanse. Cleanse, yeah. But we'll come back to that. Yeah. And so draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mm. The first the third word is draw. Draw. Submit, resist, and draw. Mm -hmm. And what we see is almost this give and take, this tug of war. When we're resisting the devil, we're actually drawing near to God. The, we're furthering ourselves from him and we're coming closer to God. And so when we're drawing near to God, when we're going to his word, when we're submitting ourselves to him, all of this is how we, is how we resist the devil. But these are the things that we have to do. We first have to submit to God so that we can actually resist the devil because we can't do it by ourselves. And we resist the devil by drawing near to God and, um, and filling our hearts and our minds with, with the truth that is found in his word. That's the thing. And I'm glad you said that because how does one draw near to God? Mm. Well, you could look for an experience mm -hmm. or you could look for a self-help book written by a Christian author that you hope and pray will draw you near to God. Yeah. Or you could open the 66 books of God's word yeah. and begin to study using the inductive Bible study method mm -hmm. and study God's word. And as you study God's word, you will draw near to him. And here's what's the reality. As you draw near to him, the Holy Spirit is going to start putting red flags in your life. Mm -hmm. And those red flags are things that you need to get rid of. Those are sins that are getting in the way of you drawing closer to God. That's right. And he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Look what he says in verse 9. Be miserable. Mm -hmm. Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Here's the reality of this, and I have in the margin of my Bible, broken in your sin. Yeah. 
when was the last time you were so broken over your sin that you were miserable, mm. that you mourned and you wept for the way you behaved, that right. you transgressed against God? A lot of times we don't have that. Mm -hmm. We don't mourn and weep over our sin. Right. You know, we go to the we go to the vending machine of God and we put the quarter in and say, God, so sorry for, for sinning. Will you forgive me? But we're not broken. And right. we keep that pattern going yeah, broken. And Jesus, Jesus talks about that as well in the Beatitudes, that blessed are those that mourn. And this is the same mourning that he's talking about here is understanding what our sin is actually doing to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it's actually breaking it. And it's making it so that God can't give us what he wants so desperately to give us. And that is his gift of grace. And so what our sin is doing, it is, it is actually forcing us to be further and further away from God. Our relationship with God is like our relationship with each other. The more we do to hurt somebody, the less they're going to want to be in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's when we, uh, when we realize that we're hurting somebody else that we are filled with remorse and we are filled with sadness and we go and we ask for forgiveness, not because we want something from them, but yeah. because we realize that we've hurt someone that we've cared about. And that's what God wants us to realize that when we sin, we are hurting someone who loves us so much and that, that we, don't even, we don't even register sometimes what he's actually done for us. One of the ultimate acts of humility for an individual is to recognize their sin mm -hmm. and then get on their hands and face in the presence of the Lord and repent yeah. and purify themselves mm -hmm. of their sin. He says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. These are the same words that Peter is saying in his letter That's as right. well. Humble yourself and at the proper time, exaltation mm -hmm. and so so important for us to know and be able to do that so for you listening out there uh maybe it's time for you to humble yourself before the lord mm -hmm. to ask the lord to search your heart for for what you have in your life that is allowing you to be prideful and arrogant and elevate yourself above god right and the thing is is this exaltation that we seek and look for in in the world that we live in uh, only goes so high. The exaltation mm -hmm. that James and Peter are talking about is is an exaltation on the other side of glory, and it's nothing. The in comparison to the highest we can reach here is nothing compared to the exaltation we're going to receive if we humble ourselves now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we're going to come to a section of James chapter five here before we wrap up our time, and we'll see uh, something that's very important. We all need to understand. Mm. But let's look at verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and the judges and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the word, but a judge of it. Back again to not being a hearer of the word, mm -hmm. but being a doer of the word. And this is the reality of the message that James has for us is that we need to actually have a real faith in action. Right. And real faith in action uh, does not allow us to judge our brothers and sisters for their sin. Mm -hmm. 
I think about the passage, and I remember David Arthur uh, doing a video uh, on the Gospel of Matthew, precept upon precept, mm. and uh, he had a big um, piece of wood that was like from a train track. Yeah. And he was holding it on his shoulder, and he was kind of trying to reach and get the speck out of another individual's eye. Right. Let me help you with that little sliver you got in your eye. Meanwhile, he's got this huge plank in his eye, and he mm-hmm. was showing basically, how dare you judge yeah. when you have sin yourself. Yeah. This is what is being said right in these verses mm-hmm. here. Don't speak against your brother, and he who speaks against a brother judges his brother, speaks against the law. He judges he judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the word. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're just a judge. Yeah. You know, you're not in a position of humility. Right. You're exalting yourself over someone else. Yeah. Look at verse 12. What's he saying in verse 12? There's only one lawgiver and judge, both capitalized. The one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And, and James is is putting us in our place. Mm-hmm. He said, you think you can judge? No, no, no. There's only one person who gave the law. There's only one person who can judge by the law. There is one who can actually save, but he's also able to destroy. That compared to him, you're nothing. Who, who are you? The answer is nobody compared to the one who gave the law and the one who actually judges according to the law. So James puts us in our place and and sometimes we really we really need that. We can get holier than thou. We can say, well, my sin's not as bad as so-and-so's sin, uh, so I'm doing all right. Uh, but the call is for us to humble ourselves uh, before God, to put ourselves in a proper position before him. Yeah, we're in no place to judge another. Mm-mm. Leave it to God. You know why? Because the gospel is the power of God Mm -hmm. for salvation. We can't save. Right. Jesus can save. Yeah. And so leave that to God. Now look at verse 13. Come now who say today or tomorrow we will go to do such and such at a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You do not know, and we'll come back to that. And I want to just look at verse 13 because first and foremost, I'm a planner. Mm. I love to plan. I love to put things in place. Yeah. And I want to, maybe for my own sake, be assured that what James is saying is that planning for the future is not a problem here. Mm. That you can plan for the future, but who is at the center of that plan? Right. Is it for the purpose of making a profit? Mm-hmm. Is it for the purpose of gaining all of the earthly goods and that, or is it for the sake of God? Mm-hmm. And I really think that James is saying that God needs to be at the center of your right. Well, and the the qualification is that we spend a year and engage in business and make a profit. Like that's what. That's what matters most is that we're gonna we're gonna spend a year of our lives focused on making profit in this one place, and you're exactly right that it's not about not about God it's about me and about what I can amass or obtain or mm-hmm. or have for myself. Well, how does if you're making a profit and planning and doing all these things for your earthly self fit into the first three words of submit, resist, and draw. Yeah, it's, it's, you're not submitting to God. <laughs> you're not resisting the devil. You're playing right into his hand. Yeah. And you're not drawing close to him. Yeah, and then at verse 14, 
uh, yet do uh, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The margin of my Bible, life is short, live for Christ. Mm. I want to look at Psalm 139 and uh, verse uh, 16, uh, David writes and uh, tells us about uh, the characteristics of God and God's relationship to us as individuals and, and, and about our life being like a vapor. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's talking about, he's talking to God here and he says that your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written. The days that were ordained for me when as yet, uh, when as yet there was not one of them. So even before we appeared on the scene, um, that God knew exactly who we were, that he ordained our days, uh, that they were already written and decided upon, um, that compared to, uh, compared to God and in his, in his wisdom and in, uh, in his scope of the world and his plan, uh, sometimes we think we're more important than we actually are. Sometimes we can think that we're less important. We put ourselves down and we think, how can God possibly love me? And that's what's so incredible is that he does, uh, even when we don't deserve it. Uh, but James, again, he's not pulling any punches. He said, you're, you're nothing. <laughs> what, you, what you amass is nothing. What you can uh, uh, get for yourself is nothing. And if your life is just about getting what you can, uh, then you're just, you're just a wisp. There's nothing to you. Yeah. What if, for example, you spent, you went on a special retreat for the weekend. Mm -hmm. You went up to a beautiful place in our beautiful country. Maybe you sat at the base of mountains mm -hmm. and you, you listened to the birds chirping and the water flowing and just the wonderful sounds of God's creation. And you sat there with a notepad and paper and you developed the next 15 years of your life. Mm -hmm. And then you had everything in place. And in that moment of planning your 15 years of life, the next day you're present with the Lord. Right. Planning, there is a place for planning in our lives. God should be at the center of our planning. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that God has ordained our days and we don't know when the last day will be. Right. You could go into the hospital for a sore foot yeah. and not come back. Well, I, and I think what James is trying to tell us is that you don't, don't make those decisions for yourself. Go to God. He says in verse 15, go to God and say, if the Lord wills. Uh, that we live, first mm -hmm. of all, then uh, maybe we'll do this or maybe we'll do that. But it's about planning for your own benefit um, without, without planning in, in any way to give glory to God or without going to him and saying, what is it that you have in store for us? What is it that you want us to accomplish? Instead of seeking out God's will, we're seeking out our own will. And James says, that's not the way that, uh, that we're to do it. Again, we're stepping out from under God's mighty hand. We are stepping into a place of temptation and we are walking away from an almighty God who loves us. And I would say that as we've worked through, we still got three words left to go. They'll come quick, don't worry folks. But 
we talked about perspective when it comes to trials. Mm -hmm. I think now we're talking about priorities. Right. So perspective in trials, having a heavenly perspective, and now we're talking about priorities. Mm -hmm. The reality is what James is telling us in this section of the book is get your heart right with God. Be ready, be on alert, because you do not know when the Lord Jesus will come or when you will be taken home because mm-hmm. your days are numbered. And he, you know, you need to just have this kind of connection and this communion with God that allows you to know and have that perspective of having the right priorities. Mm-hmm. He also tells us that we shouldn't boast. Right. And to not brag and don't be arrogant. Such boasting is evil. Mm. So we want to look at really quickly Ephesians because Ephesians talks about submit, resist, draw, and Mm -hmm. boasting. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Paul, like James here, reminds us that uh, what we accomplish is not worth boasting about if we're not accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. God made a system of salvation that puts him at the center and makes us recipients, not as those who obtain or earn. And the reason that we are saved is so that we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish, that we do the good works that he has prepared beforehand for us to do so that we walk in them. That means that we're walking with God in those things, that it's not about we'll go here and we'll make a profit. It's about I've been saved by God in order to do what it is that he has called me to do. Absolutely. And Derek, I wanted to wrap up our time together and I want to challenge. So you'll have to bear with me. I want to challenge the individuals that are listening. But if you would read for me James chapter 5 and the final two verses, because we talked about early on in our podcast that not only was James chapter 1 22 a key verse and helping us understand but we also pointed out that James chapter 5 and we're going to come back to James chapter 5 in our last week two Mm -hmm. weeks of the podcast but I want you to read those verses and then I want to take our listeners to second chronicles chapter 34. Yeah so he finishes his letter by saying my brethren if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. One of the things that I want you to do is, you know, listen carefully that as we talk about this, the first three words were submit, resist, and draw. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I love this passage. It is about King Josiah. And the land of Israel was in a disaster. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. This man, this boy, eight years old, reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. The, his biography tells us that he did right in the sight of the Lord. And here's why. He walked in the ways of his father, David. He didn't turn from the left or to the right. You know, God com- commanded Joshua not to the turn to the to the left or mm-hmm. to the right. 
But listen to this. Here's the next three words for you. It says, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Hmm. So word number four is seek. Seek God. In the twelfth year, he began to purge. Hmm. That's your fifth word, is the word purge. And then way down in Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 8, he says, Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land of the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azalea, Messiah, an official of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair mm. the house. And I want to bring us back to the very fact that this is all about the heart. Right. This is all about us as individuals. And what we can learn from Josiah is that us as individuals, we need to submit, resist, and draw. Mm-hmm. We need to seek God. We need to purge sin from our lives. Yeah. We need to cleanse our hearts, our hands, and purify ourselves. These are all the things that James has told us. And then we need to repair. Mm-hmm. We need to build on the foundation of God's word. And I want to leave you with David in Psalm chapter 19. And David, as he is praying to God in Psalm 19, he says regarding sin. And this is the famous verse. There's some, there's, you know, this Psalm 19 is famous passage it's got wonderful worship song in there creating me a clean heart but he says here he talks about the word of the lord he says it's perfect restoring the soul the testimony is sure making the wise simple the precepts of the lord are right and then down in verse 12 he says uh, uh, who can discern his errors acquit me of my hidden faults Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins and let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, submit to God, resist the devil, cleanse your hands. And so we have seek God, purge and repair. And as a part of this in Psalm 19, here is the prayer that you need to seek and you need to pray to God. God, show me the sins that I am not aware of. Mm-hmm. Show me my hidden sins. God, please show me the sins that I am committing that I know are wrong, but I'm doing them anyway. Those are the presumptuous sins that David talks about. And God, show me the sins that still rule over me and enslave my heart. The reality is James chapter five in those five or James chapter four in those final verses, they are all about restoration and bringing you back to God. Mm-hmm. And so how about you? Are you in a position where you have submitted? you're resisting, and you're drawing near to God? Do you have to seek, purge, and repair? Do you have work to do with God? Well, if you do, go to Him in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you again for your word. And as we go through James, as we are convicted over and over and over again, uh, today especially, of... um, when we do not humble ourselves before you, 
when we try and uh, exalt ourselves ahead of others, when we try and, and judge people in order to make ourselves feel better. I pray, Almighty God, that we will remember what it is that we have been called to do, to submit to you, to, to give over to you, to resist the devil, to flee from those temptations that we know are, um, are vulnerable areas for us, and, uh, and to draw closer to you to rest in your presence and to be in a place of a willingness to accept that we are not perfect, but that we are forgiven and understand that our status in you is that we are ones who have been brought into this family, adopted as your children. And God, I pray that if there are sins that we know that we are committing, that you will give us the strength to stop them. If there are sins that we are committing that we are unaware of, I pray that you will show them to us. And if there are sins that are just taking over our lives, that we are powerless to break that cycle, I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit and that you will give us the strength to get out from underneath those sins and to put ourselves in the proper position under your mighty hand. Gracious God, I pray that you will go with us. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.